I'm good. How's everyone? <laughs> Pretty good. I, 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 a, a, as you know, I, uh, and you know this well right now, is uh, my studio for the moment is a uh, 2010 Hyundai Sonata. <laughs> and um, in my Sonata, uh, I kept, it's damp here in Tennessee, and I'm not used to that. We were from Eastern, we had come from California and then went to Eastern uh, Washington, both of which are very, very dry places. And uh, we got here about a month and a half ago. And um, as time went on, I kept thinking that this, my studio, my car, <laughs> I kept thinking to myself that that it, it smelled musty. And you know what the natural inclination is? Well, you know, it, it smells musty. It, it must be all the this rain coming down, right? I kept getting that, and I'm talking to George C. Romero last night. I'm thinking, wow, you know, this must is getting to be horrible in this car, right? I mean, really horrible. And so this morning, I come up, and I open the door of the car, and I can't even get in the car. And I go, what the hell is going on here? And I I look through the There's nothing in the car. I mean, I, I just went to uh, Lowe's, and I I, I got a, a, a couple of you know, plastic things, but that was all that was in the car. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? And so I, I keep sniffing around and I finally opened the trunk, right? Uh oh. And I opened the trunk and I'm like, oh God, it's really bad here. And I go over and in the corner, you know, of the trunk, like past the wheel well down in that, uh, you know, that little tiny uh, pit of no inclusiveness that every car has. Yeah. Right? Well, I drive a Mini, so I don't have that, but I know you're part of Mini. Well, it's because you drive that. You're driving your pit of inconvenience. Yeah. Uh, so in my pit of inconvenience, I, I, there's a bunch of bags, and I move the bags out of the way, and there's that roast <laughs> from, from when we first got here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I I have a problem with food, uh, yeah. especially if, like if it's left to one side. You know, some people eat some, uh, you know, they get a sandwich and they eat it the next day kind of thing. I can't do that. So if I saw a roast that's really old, I would be spewing everywhere, man. That would be it. I'd, I'd be off. Well, yeah, but my problem is this is then it would just smell worse. So yeah, I really didn't yeah. need that. And, and so I threw that. You can watch I horror movies all day, but fuck off with the rotten food. Oh, exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. And that's going to lead me into another stupid story. Ah. But this stupid story is going to be about Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Ah. Okay. Okay. You've seen the film, I take it. Yes. Yes. Do you, do you guys remember The Barking Pig? No. I saw that film when I was oh, 21 years old. Okay. I'm now 40. There is a feast. There is a as as uh, um, uh, ah name just went out of my head. Uh, the, the hero blonde as she walks in to the Elm House, 
Elm Street house, there is a pig set up on a table. It's it's a whole uh, uh, it's a story. rotting yes. feast from hell. Yes. Right. And so uh, Kristen. Right. So Kristen looks at the pig and the pig barks at her. OK, that wasn't in the script at the last minute. At the last minute, Bob Shea goes, um, you know, we have her looking at the rotting feast, but nothing happens. Uh, he goes, can we have and this is why we're shooting it. Can we have like the pig bark up at her? Well, we didn't have a fake pig. We had just gotten a real pig because, after all, the real pig was 150 bucks. All you, you know, and and we dressed it up to make it look awful and stuff, right? But but to have one made would have been like 600 bucks. So so the master, we all kind of like look at each other. And prop master goes. No problem. I've got this. It, and she reaches, she reaches down to the, she pulls this enormous knife out of her, uh, waistband. She was Israeli, right? You know, she had, she had gone to war with everything in her life at one time or another. And so she, <laughs> so she pulls out, she pulls out this enormous knife and just slits up underneath the, the uh, pig's throat, right? And sticks her hand in there and goes, whoop, whoop. With, with, with oh. the pig, right? And, and everybody goes, uh, I guess that'll do it. So, <laughs> so, so we cut a ta- we cut a hole in the table. We put her underneath the table, and she makes the pig bark, right? That's awesome. <laughs> well, it was it was really cool, a great effect. But then, so so the first thing he goes, well, I sure hope we got that. You know, uh, it might be a good idea to hold the pig for a week. You know, in case we need to get more of it. And so what we did is we made a box, you know, a a plywood box. And we packed it completely full of dry ice and um, screwed the box shut, put it in the corner of the stage. And nobody ever thought about it again. (laughs) (laughs) So for we know that pig is still there. Oh, six weeks later. (laughs) (laughs) Six weeks later, we... uh, we start to wrap the stage, right? And and they wrap and they wrap and they wrap and and, and of course you do it with Mexican crews and it's forty thousand square foot warehouse, right? And everything's going in and out. And um, one of the uh, Mexican crew members goes over, gets a screw gun, and opens up the box. <laughs> oh no! And it cleared the building. <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I would have been out there so fast. As soon as I, I saw that, I'd be like, nope, nope. Hey, trust me when I say you didn't have to see it. I was three <laughs> stages away and I left the building. Oh, wow. <laughs> so anyway, that was um, we, we had to go back in, um, suited up properly with the, the right uh, mass and stuff and get rid of that pig. And basically, it was just bones in a pool. Oh, and, and I remember that, yes, on the way out, it did occasionally splash out. That's how disgusting it was. So, Yeah, I would have given that job to someone else. I would have delegated. Oh, I did. Trust me. Trust me <laughs> when I say. <laughs> so, um, hey, what's up? Oh, I hear geez. that you're doing a Nightmare on Elm Street thing. 
Well, I'm going to try. Um, actually, no, let's start. Let's be more positive. Yes, I'm doing a Nightmare on Elm Street thing, and it's going to be the best fan Nightmare on Elm Street thing you've ever seen. Um, there you go. I, I really miss Freddy Krueger, you know? Really? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I, I just think we have we having all these remakes at the moment. Um, you know, you, you yourself have just been involved with the Jason one that uh, Jeremy Brown, my friend, did, um, yeah. who's also directing Nightmare on Elm Street for me. And I just thought no one's really doing Freddy at the moment. But since I've started the Indigo campaign, I've noticed loads more popping up for Freddy Krueger. Right. And then um, the Wes Craven Estates just just started opening up pitches for for freddie again it's just like oh okay we got some competition i think you fired up the boiler yeah yeah you know and 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 i just i just recently like what a month ago or not even a month yeah a month ago we just finished up uh doing uh a a remake of the scene in nightmare on elm street 3 where uh, oh yeah with the phone yeah, with the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was I was a a, a consultant on that, and yeah. uh, it was it was a uh, it was pretty interesting because <laughs> you talk about crazy that we made the sets and every they made the sets and everything, and and I sent them diagrams and and we passed back and forth, and I told them what it looked like, and we went back and forth and went back and forth, and then we get down to the scene. At the very end, where the where everybody's hanging, right mm-hmm. now in the original scene, there was there was like probably ten people, twelve people hanging, looking at her, which was a nightmare to do. I mean, it was so complicated. It took probably thirty five people, other than the twelve people hanging, just so that they would survive the experience. <laughs> and and the thing is, is back then the the extras, even before they were passing out, they wouldn't say anything about it because <laughs> it's just a classic thing to pass out when you're in a harness, right? They they are not comfortable and and they can uh, restrict flow to uh, parts of your brain and boom down you go, right? You know, so Jesus. so everybody had a ladder to stand up on. Anyway, it got so incredibly complicated, and I and I told them several ways to do it for this, uh, for that recreation. And eventually they said, no, nah, huh, we're not doing that. We're not doing any of that. We'll, we'll do it with, with CGI. <laughs> I go, well, <laughs> that's kind of cheating the whole idea, isn't it? <laughs> that is cheating. And that actually annoys me. You, you don't want CGI anymore. Bring back the practical effects. I've had enough of CGI. It ages films so fast. Well, yeah, the thing True. is, is uh, and I can tell you this, that is a case where the CGI would be less expensive than actually doing it yeah. in real life. Because it, it, it's, comp- it's such a complicated thing. It's one of those things that you look at it and you say, well, that's a, you just hang a few people. But it's, you have to think of it this way, is that if you're hanging one person in a harness for any period of time, it takes three people to support that person. And it isn't like it isn't like the same three people can do a whole bunch of people. It doesn't work like that. You have to you have to like have a support team for somebody that's in a harness like that. It just 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 works that way. I suppose it's frowned upon to just to 
let them hang and if they pass out or you know it goes further than that just employ another extra after that i guess that's not allowed anymore eh? if you get it's not it's (laughs) it's not if you don't get caught (laughs) (laughs) eventually though their uh, next of kin come looking for them oh that's when you just deny every ever seeing them you know uh, nothing to do with me they didn't show up for the shoot i'm really angry if you see them tell them that and then pass the buck we we have enough of that going on with our president. Yeah. Uh, and Matt ducks down from this one. And moving <laughs> on, Mick. Moving on. <laughs> so Matt, you uh you write books. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, you write yeah. books. You're, you're not in this. This ain't your struggle, baby. Well, I, I wrote about your struggle and I got myself in the shit because I wrote about your struggle. <laughs> Someone said in a one-star review, I do not like the man, but he is my president. How dare you? <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I was only having fun and games, but someone had to take it too seriously. <laughs> you're you're not in you're not in your sixties yet, brother. Not yet. I feel like it, but not yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because in your sixties, you go <laughs> eat shit and die. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I used to do that on my reviews, funnily enough. I used to tell people that very same thing. And then I found a forum online dedicated to me about how much of a douchebag I am. Well, <laughs> that's like, oh, perhaps that's not how to handle bad reviews. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if someone leaves me a bad review saying uh, they don't like the book because X, Y, Z, you think, okay, I can learn from that and I can grow as, a, as an author. If someone leaves me a review basically calling me a name, I, I feel like I should have a right to call them a name back, but apparently yeah. that's not how it works. Well, you know, um, I, uh, I I don't know what to tell you. I'm old enough not to. I, 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 I raised, I, I, I worked on films for the vast majority of working on films that I did. There wasn't any social media there to, yeah. uh, to let anybody know what was going on. So. <laughs> So you'd work on the film, release the film, and then you don't get the stick unless they actually see you or know your phone number. Well, yes, the, that's it's true though because I was involved in a lot of really controversial uh, films. I mean, Nightmare on the Street Three, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three, all these multiples. You you catch a lot of you know shit for for your view of the third or fourth, the third you know. Yeah, for any, daring to do something different. Yeah, what the hell? How is the dare you? Yeah, I yeah, had I'll, to go through. I, I went through an awful it. lot of e- email. I went through a lot of different emails and a lot of different phone numbers for a while because of that. <laughs> <laughs> we we got uh, on the Indigo campaign for Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, I, I obviously got a Facebook page for it, and someone angry faced it, and then someone else put, "If it's not Robert England, just don't bother." And you're like. Oh, Come on, man. We're trying to do something for the fans. We want to make something that you love. You know, you've got to think realistically. We can't just go, hey, Robert, come do this fan film for us. It doesn't work yeah. like that. Uh, and just yeah. the way these people go sometimes, you're just like, just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? The, the doesn't work. Is, I, 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 I always played my life by percentages. You know, even as a production designer, you say, uh, as a production designer, if I got 80% of what I wanted, 
um, by hook and by crook and by lying and by cheating <laughs> and and, uh, and stabbing people and making sure that some people never showed up and you know it, all those all those ways that um, the non artistic side of being artistic. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what got me up to 80 80 percent liking what i did and and then i could put my name on it and that's kind of the way that i figure with everything you know if i if, if i put something out and 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 i'm getting 80 percent, i'm doing really good yep fair enough well let's see what happens yeah ducks down again <laughs> <laughs> you wish you were at 80 <laughs> percent i do <laughs> so um tj oh so i did take a look at um your black and white horror. is it black and white horror film well, uh, the film we made back in 2018 was called Monster, and it's a feature-length film. But because I've just started editing myself now, because that was edited by a you know professional, right. <laughs> um, I wanted to have a go and see what would happen if I edited my feature-length film down to a 22-minute black-and-white film. Um, right. So I literally stripped it bare and remade it as a 22-minute film just as an experiment. And um, the, the, the really sad thing is I think I prefer it. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, you know, I I tell people that a lot of times it, it is better though to have uh, a, an editor so that you have somebody. There is a certain yeah. I would have to see if you take if you make something that was an hour long into twenty two minutes, uh, the chances are it's going to be better. Yeah, it it just stripped back the story, so it works as a feature length film because there's more character development. But as a 22-minute little short film, it works as well because there's more mystery to the characters. So it's kind of like two different films. Did you ever think to yourself that maybe it was a uh, it, it was a short film that accidentally got long? Uh, well, it was based on a 300-page book, so it shouldn't have been. <laughs> I don't <But> know. <laughs> we were um, we were very you know, restricted with budget. See, that doesn't work with Stephen King a lot, you know. He he, yeah. he he can write he can write a whole lot and it can still be you know just a, a short page story. a page yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's yeah personal personal preference there possibly you never know um, yeah yeah but uh, but I, I I noticed that you have a, a a dark sexual point of view dark sexual horror point of view. I don't know what you're saying. Um, yeah. You, you, <laughs> yeah, you, right, right, right. You could say that. I mean, I'm known for extreme horror. Um, you know, when people watch our, our Freddy film that we're, we're going to be working on in February, I'm bringing some of that to the Freddy script, but it's yeah. kind of toned down a little bit for the right nightmare on elm street market because i was saying to jeremy the director i was like hey i want to do this this and this and he's just like yeah we can't do that that's that's not freddy krueger that's too far that's just, yeah like, oh, okay <laughs> yeah the thing is is the the um the the elm street um world is probably like like i compare it to the jason world um the uh the thing is, is Nightmare on Elm Street people would definitely put a shirt on before they went and saw it in a theater. Yeah. <laughs> right? Jason Group, 
<laughs> maybe they would put a wife beater on before they went to see the film. Fair enough. <laughs> I, Easy I, now. I, I love that 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 TJ was was yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to uh, appeal to that. You know, if you're going to horrify them, you have to also intellectually. You have to intellectually horrify them. Yes. You know, a, as opposed to just the gore of the uh, uh, of the you know the knife coming down in a new and different way. Mm. Um, so uh, you have to be a little bit clever and you have to, you have to think to yourself that the, the Freddy bunch is, is the Freddy audience is, uh, more, uh, looking for fantasy twinged horror. Yep. As opposed to the stalker type of horror. Yeah. So th- away from just your everyday leather face slasher kind of horror. Right, right. Yeah, I didn't. I never saw. I absolutely and and I I can be accused of this. I saw three and four as being um, adventure travel films. Yep. Yes. Uh, and the travel just happened to be in and the being dream. superior to and, the other films in the series as well, Mick. You got to give you credit for that too. Well, there's always that, but I mean, <laughs> that goes without saying. But but I I mean, if you look at Nightmare on Elm Street four. For example, the really cool stuff was in the journey. Mm. Uh, you know, was getting from place to place. Yeah, Alice being uh, Alice being pulled into the theater. Uh, that wasn't the kill. That was cool. It was the whole sequence of her traveling into the dreamscape world. Right. Yep. You get to the pizza parlor. Uh, if you look, if you look at Nightmare on Elm Street 3, it's a little bit more of just straight ahead, straight into a fantasy and into a kill, right? Okay. You know, hmm. um, it could be that that, you know, on Nightmare on Elm Street 4 that we didn't have as much of a script, <laughs> but, but, but it is the fantasy part of it is the journey. Yes. You know? And the journey is what happens every time you close your eyes. And, and and the thing is with that, going into that fantasy, you're expecting you're you're sitting there expecting to be blown away visually and and then get the shit scared out of you. Yeah. Yeah. If that's what's to be done. So that's what I'm trying to bring to uh into your story for from my point of view. Yeah, well, what, I mean, I, we can't really go into what's going to happen no, yeah, as such, yeah. but what what you've suggested, I think, when the you know the, when the real fans of Nightmare on Elm Street sit down to watch the film that we're all going to create together, I think they're going to get a genuine kick out of it because you've got the, the dreamy feel to it. You've got uh, references to Freddy here and there, and then you know when we bring Freddy into the actual film, it's going to be done in such a a visually interesting way and it should make people sit up and pay attention. If it doesn't, then um, (laughs) I worry about those people. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. Yeah. If I I don't, I don't really want to meet them in a dark alleyway if they don't sit up and think, what the hell? (laughs) They're, they're, they're more of uh, your uh, Jeremy Irons kind of uh, horror fan. You know, the, the intellectual, uh, uh, the intellectual that's 
underneath his plastic suit, he has a, a tuxedo on. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as they show up in tuxedos and plastic suits, they'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, it, it's you're you're in your directing. Um, I I think that you sent me a six minute film, right? Or was it a twenty two minute? Uh, no, you've had, I sent you because um, you were asking, hey, what book shall I read? And I was like, oh, you don't want to read one of my books. Just watch this film; it'll be easier. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I just sent you the link to uh, the black and white version of of Monster, um, just because it gave you it would give you an idea of the kind of writing that we do. Because right. I mean, Monster is. Um, I don't know if you guys have the expression out there, but it's what we call a Marmite film in which people either love it or they absolutely hate it. And it doesn't seem to be a middle ground with it. Um, but it's, well, it's, I, a, it's pretty brutal. It's, it's not I, pleasant. I, I kind of like – it's, it's interesting that there was something about it, and I know that, that you were playing with this, and, and, and I'm just going to kick this out there. Uh, do you mind if I – throw a little bit out that film has been out right okay yeah yeah, the film's been out about a year now okay what one of the things i thought was really interesting was the the reversal of the trope of the horrible uh like the the horrible hideous guy in the van yeah right but uh i think that you had a um what do they call them uh the the cop person that does a uh, personality uh a, p- a personality uh profile right uh, weren't they doing a profile of what this guy would be like at home and it was complete opposite yeah we've had people do that and because when you watch a horror film it is always like the big hulking creature that's the horrible one and right. I'm just like, well, no, because it's nature versus nurture. They don't tend I, to just pop out like that. But I also like the fact that there was the need as a pin thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the 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 set was very kind of uh, cold and 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 didn't have like the the tropes of the uh, you know the hanging bones you know worked into a macrame sculpture and that kind of thing. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I couldn't afford them. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, but what I'm saying is it actually it, it, it worked for you. Yeah, we, we, we were lucky. I mean, had I had the budget there, I probably would have thrown every single bloody thing like that in there. You know, the like the Ed Gein kind of furniture. Right. Um, well, you know, well, trust I, me. I, I know it well. <laughs> yeah, I love that kind of thing. Um, you know, I grew up with that kind of horror. Um, so in the, in the book, it is written very much that, hey, actually, we do have these sculptures and things around there. So in the book, they live in a warehouse, um, right. but it was cheaper for us to rent a house for the film. Um, but yeah, we, the, the actual set is really quite bare for the film, yeah, and it just concentrates more. The starkness of it made made a very interesting difference yeah it just it forces you to pay attention to you know not get distracted by the cool scenery right exactly exactly uh yeah no i i like that i liked it a lot um let's see if uh hey tj yes sir how far am i into this 
You are 27 minutes in. See, we got all kinds of time. <laughs> let's get um, de- let's get deeper in this hole. Oh yeah, deeper. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm running. <laughs> yeah. So, um No, I I really like the, the the horror, the hard horror edge of it. I, yeah, I I, I miss it. I mean, these, it's only been, the, what, the last two years where we're really starting to get that kind of horror back on our screens. Um, I think it, it came back with a, a Nick Cage film called Mandy, which was just quite unpleasant. Um, <laughs> it was stylized horror. But before that, at the moment, it all just seems to be like the Conjuring films. Right. And right. I enjoy them for what they are. You know, don't get me wrong. But I miss I miss the films of like the the eighties the early nineties you know the proper brutal horror uh, right the the David Chow uh, uh, David Chow uh, I can't think of Michael's name uh, the the guy who who did who wrote Nightmare on Elm Street three you know w- w- the combination of him and Jeff Burr together uh, that was. It, and and the unedited version of that was really, <laughs> really out there, you know. <laughs> then I wish they released that as well. <laughs> well, here's here's the thing: is is at especially at that time we were having a, a, a New Line Cinema was just starting to grow a lot, you know, and all of a sudden they had. Not only did they have the MPCA down on them, but they were <laughs> they were um, having uh, the beginnings of a corporate conscience, which <laughs> a yeah. corporate conscience, which is always a problem. Yeah, I was just just about to say, as soon as you get that, that's just kill creativity at that point. Oh yeah, yeah, no, oh, absolutely, and and ask Jeff Burr about that sometime and. Uh, he go right out of his mind. <laughs> yeah. it, it bugs me because we've still got this kind of thing today where um, you've got sensors. Like I took Monster out to um, Cannes Film Festival and I went out for a meal with a, a guy from a distribution company and he had already been warned about Monster before I arrived in Cannes. Um, <laughs> One of my fucking actors went up to him and went, oh, it's really brutal and there's loads of swearing and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, why the hell are you getting involved talking to these people? And he said to me, um, because of the use of the, uh, I'll be polite, the C word. Oh, right. uh, He was like, we can't allow it. You know, we can't have this. We can't release it. And I was like, well, I used uh, that particular word 13 times in one hour and 22 minutes. (laughs) And it's only by one character. Um, And... In the film Train Spotting, there's a four-minute section where the word is said nine times. Boom! And yeah. that distributor turned around and went, "Yeah, but that's Irvine Welsh wrote that." What? So <laughs> I'm like, "Right, so why can't I?" I'm like, "I'm Matt Shaw. Why can't I say it?" Right, you know, um, it's, it's just hey, bollocks. Before Train Spotting came out, he wasn't as popular so yeah that's 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 a a bullshit uh recreating history uh you know for for your argument you know uh 
Or, well, or needless to say, they didn't take the film off me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, I can understand that. But you know what? The thing is, is eventually you're going to make a great film that's going to be uh, then a great film. And and because you made that great film, everybody's going to go back and look at these and you'll make a fortune. Well, that's why I believe in doing feature films, because that's as right. I did with my as I did with my books, I released uh, over 200 books before my books actually. Uh, sorry. I released over 40 books before my uh, my books actually took off to the point where I could quit work and just work as a full-time author. Now, if I have to release 40 films before the others are picked up, I don't care because it's a passion. I enjoy it, and that's the important thing. Absolutely. Could, could I ask you something here? Yeah. How many before, – before you really got to be a hot prop, property, how, how many books would – be sold of a of, of a given book. Oh, um, I would be selling like two or three copies a day of a book. Um, you know, and if you've got ten books out and you're only selling eight books a day, still, you know, some days that clearly means that books aren't selling. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, but it, but it was always a passion for it. And then when I took off, like my books would be selling, um, you know, like two two hundred books a day. Um, at the height of things, but on top of that, you've got something called uh, Kindle Unlimited, right? Where people just pay a subscription fee to download it, and it's getting like forty thousand page reads per day. So that's you know, if you think about it, that's an awful lot of people downloading your book. Yes. And what are you getting? Like two cents a page or three cents a page? <laughs> I <like> wish. <laughs> um, are you ready to weep for me? Uh, if you've got a violin sound effect, you can put it in later. <laughs> it's, uh, I get 0.005 cents a page read if you read my work really? through Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. Now, most of my books are 99 cents on Kindle. If you go and download one, I get 30 cents. So, you know, Amazon's pocketing a fair bit of money. Wow. But they pay my wages, and they've already banned me once, so I, I can't say too much. I love Amazon. <laughs> They're my friends. <laughs> so uh, I do remember the rates being much high at the very beginning, though. Oh, man, at the beginning, I was killing it because it was it was uh, 89 cents a download on Kindle Unlimited. And how so much was I, the page? Because I, I, know, I know that they started up in the uh, – at least uh, over a penny. Yeah, it wasn't done by the page at the very start. It was literally whatever length book it was, you get 89 cents. Really? So what I was doing, I was bashing out these 10-page short stories, and I was oh, flooding man. the market with them <laughs> because I can write 10 pages story a day because I, at the moment I write normally a novella every month, um, and then a novel will take me uh, two months at, at most. Wow. And... So I flooded the market with these 10 page short stories, but, but basically warning the readers who are downloading it, Hey, this is a short story. Don't buy it. Get it on your Kindle Unlimited program. So it's not costing you money. Um, right. so they don't feel du uh, duped by that. But I was, yeah, I did really well. Then Amazon yeah. cottoned on and changed it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but what, what? I, I, I'm an unlimited customer for sure. Uh, yeah. So you. 
basically so, giving me 0.005 cents. Cheers, mate. Oh, I, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I'll give that to you all day long, buddy. No problem. No problem. You know what? It was, it was good when it lasted. Can I ask you a question that, 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 uh, I've always wanted to ask. I, I love to ask writers. Uh, hmm. so, uh, Kindle or a real book? Uh, I'm a, I, do you know what? This is going to get me absolutely shot. I don't really read. You know, I, oh, to me, it's it, it's a bus man's holiday. You know, I literally every day for eight hours a day, I'm writing. You're right, and, and you had enough. Of, yeah, yeah. But when I do read, I tend to read autobiographies. But I, I, I'm for some reason, I can only make it through it if I buy the hardback. So I have to have that hardback in my hands okay. to be oh, able to really, read it. Yeah? yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. A majority I, of my I, I reading read, would have to be Star Wars books. Mixed book off and on, and then Hellraiser comics. <laughs> <laughs> I read, uh, I read the trashiest uh, uh, science fiction and horror. All uh, I mean, just I, I just go from one to the other through through the uh, Kindle Unlimited, <laughs> and okay. and I love. Here, I, I know this is going to sound weird, but I I love comedy horror more than anything else. Yeah, so do you know the author Jeff Strand then? No, I haven't heard of him. Yeah, um, don't download him. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, he he tends he's well known in America for the the comedy horror side of things, but it's quite gross oh. at the same time because um, uh, he's one of the people that I uh, network networked with over the years. Oh, great! Well, uh, I'm I, so glad I've just found him a potential customer. I'm thrilled with well, myself. I, I yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'll download a bunch of your stuff now too, so that when I can, so that when I see you on the set, you know we can actually talk about something. Yeah, Matt, how did you get a job doing this? You are shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear it already. I know it's coming. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, the the thing is, is I I when I was looking at your film, uh, I and don't get me wrong, I, I liked it a lot, but. Um, <laughs> interaction of the people with prosthetics and stuff i i I wanted to i want to go no 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 it's more horrible if you do this and this and this (laughs) man you should have seen it we've got one part where he's got the severed arm and uh because it fell off a victim early on in the film and the dad picks it up and says to the the deformed son he says do you want to borrow this you can wank yourself off um but because of the way the hand was made the fingers wobble (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. When you're watching it back, you're like, "Oh God!" Yeah, exactly. And you know but, what? He, he, to, just to let you know that it happens to the big boys too. When they did it, if you if you look at it, you know, oh, it the new the one. one. Yeah, the new one. The the, uh, the when he's on the edge of the riverbank, waving at someone with the the hand. hand. Yeah, right. yeah, I, I did see I, that. I, I, God, I'm not kidding. I, I, I looked at, I was like, oh, that is so wrong. Why, why would you, <laughs> it's like, it, it's like if I have to show somebody something like that and go, this is a problem. <laughs> you don't let this happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I'm, I'm lucky because monster was a very low budget film for what it was. To me, it was a lot of money. Um, but you know, in, when we're talking films, it was very low budget. So I'm fine to make that kind of mistake. But if I had the money they had, 
Yeah. And I made yeah, that mistake. Well, that's what I'm saying is, you know, I'll probably you got, weep, you know, you, you got absolutely no excuse there, you know? No. Well, so it, it looks like, um, TJ, see TJ, uh, always, uh, texts me that, um, your time is up. Oh, or my fine. Time, or that's my, nice. Or, or my time is up. So, uh, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I've had a great time. Uh, we're going to have a great time making this film. I can't wait um, for it. Oh yeah. It, it, it's going to be a blast. Um, thanks to black Friday. I even bought my plane ticket the other day. Oh, well, congratulations. There you go. Oh yeah. Yep. I just got to get everyone else's plane tickets now. <laughs> so, um, everybody, uh, man, I'm, I'm going to let you, uh, say, uh, any books that you have coming out right now and, uh, any projects that you want to be aware of to our, uh, five, uh, listeners. Okay. Uh, if you want to start with my books, uh, I suggest you just go over and download one called sick bastards. It's an old one, but it just gives you an idea because now I've been put on the spot. I cannot remember any of the books I'm currently writing. Um, <laughs> but we are doing the Nightmare on Elm Street Indigo still. I think we got like five or six days left. Um, so, yeah, if you like the idea of uh, supporting us and getting your face in the film, or if you're local to Seattle and want to be in the film, do check out the campaign. Uh, as Mick said, it's up all night on Indiegogo. There you go. Well, uh, Matt, thank you very much for, uh, uh, for letting me uh, badger you. No, thank and, you. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll see you in uh, February, right? Yep. And we will talk very soon as well. We will. Okay, man. All right. Take it easy. Well, guys, thank you for joining us on another episode of the Rabbit Hole Podcast. This is TJ Bowser signing off. Bye, guys. But hard.